Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, rangers and elves, non-conformers and non-believers from Belfast to Bedford Falls, welcome to this very special episode of Eat the Storms, a poetry podcast, here to celebrate with you Christmas and winter 2023. My name is Jamie B. Donnelly, I get to be your host and producer, and I'm delighted today to be surrounded by 21 writers from all over the world who will be sharing with you over the course of the next hour and a half their take on Christmas and winter in the form of poetry, prose and even song. We are coming to you as always on your preferred podcast platform and that could be Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, Podbean, Player FM, Overcast, Pocketcast, Castbox or maybe even iTunes. So thank you so much you the listeners for tuning in. We are currently on a break. Season 7 just ended back in November and Season 8 will be kicking off at the end of January 2024. So if you fancy being a guest on this podcast, then drop me an email at eatthestorms at yahoo.com. So it's lovely to have a reason to come back in between the seasons and celebrate a special episode, something which is a tradition here on Eat the Storms as this is now our fourth Christmas and winter special episode. And speaking of all things traditional, yesterday, which was the 22nd of December, in case you're tuning into this podcast episode a little bit later, Susan Richardson, fellow poet, launched the final episode of her new literary podcast, A Thousand Shades of Green. And again, it was a celebration of all things Christmas and winter, as she read poems and prose pieces from all of the guests who featured on her first season, of which I was one. So thank you so much to Susan. Merry Christmas to you and all your family and I look forward to tuning in to season two when it arrives next year. And secondly, another shout out this time to Black Bow Poetry. They have just launched their Christmas and Winter Anthology Volume 4. I was delighted to be a sub-editor on Volume 2 and 3 and I am absolutely over the moon to say that two of my poems now appear in Volume 4. Thank you so much to Matthew M.C. Smith, the maestro over there at the Bow and I will read those two poems later on in this episode. But for now, as I said, we have 21 guests to entertain you, so I suggest you settle down in the comfort of your comfiest chairs, ensure there is mulled wine, mince pies and leave all that present wrapping and turkey stuffing for tomorrow for the next hour and a half. I hope you can all settle into a little sense of peace and in that settlement may the peace spread out across the earth. Enjoy the show everybody. kickstart today's special show we are heading to LA on the west coast of the United States of America to the author of the collections True North Coyote in the Basket of My Ribs sightings from a star wheel down river with Lee Poe and family folktales Karen Pierce Gonzalez is an award-winning writer and visual artist and I am most grateful that not only is she a frequent contributor to the podcast but she is now officially a true stormer with poetry in the last issue of the Storms Journal here today, Karen is sharing two poems of Yuletide berries sweetened by the frost and considerations of our bits of bordered earth. Dear Damien, fellow podcast poets and podcast listeners, 
Greetings from California. I have two winter poems to share with you, and I'm grateful for having the opportunity to do so. The first poem, Winter Solstice. By Yule fire, we friends circle, talk of night ghosts we keep at bay by making paper lanterns. Fueled by candlelight, they kite skyward. Orange streak tails form a runway for the return of spring, while we share berries sweetened by frost and tell stories of bear waking up. And the second poem is a response to environmentalist Beverly Nichols' comment, Quote, I am quite sure a garden doesn't like to be covered in dust sheets during the winter. End quote. Winter Garden Spirit. Not a graveyard for last year's greens, beetle remains, and dried promise pods. It is a bit of bordered earth, able to nourish newly planted bulbs, garlic, onion and chives, pungent dangling root fumes inhaled by mycelia's fingerly sprawl under the fence to a neighbor's yard. There underground shoots gather together, tunnel below the street. Once on the other side, they fertilize and seed the plot of an old man in a wheelchair. Staring out his front room window, he can no longer tend his patch of ground, once lovingly turned by hand. After that, the cold season garden dares us to explain, if we can, what it means to be frozen at heart during this, the deepest time of year, for which spring gardens are only just tendrils. Thank you and blessings to all. but living in Ireland since 1998, the year I left it. Our next guest was one of the lights of our last issue of the Storms Journal. P.D. Lyons received a Matata College Award for Outstanding Achievement in Poetry and in 2019 was the winner of the annual Urbace Press International Poetry Competition. Here today on this special episode to walk us through by memory only, swirls of ever-deepening, ever-dancing, overburdened snow and to introduce us to a green witch and her meeting with the deep winter man. This is P.D. Lyons. I'm going to be reading some poetry for you that I hope you all enjoy. First is somehow coming out at Robin's house where she rescued us with coffee. That morning we walked into the snow, across old farmlands, over walls of field stone. The flakes large, steady, making it hard to see anything but them. We'd stumble, we'd fall, each of us quick to help the other. 
laugh sometimes, kiss sometimes, push ourselves forward, always forward. Semi-shelter of thin woods, some nameless river, steepening ridge. Swirls of ever-deepening, ever-dancing, mesmerized, not bothering to melt, snow. Clung like new eyelashes, like soft old useless flannel, like wishes from a childhood unable to be blown away, or ever to come true. And this is called Waltzing Miss Jeannie. <clears throat> the sky, barely visible, gunmetal cold keeps each bit of snow completely separate. Sounds, most into silence, are muffled by a swish and swirl as my horse moves through. Imagine sand against a giant hourglass, wicked witch of the west, there's no place like home. Nothing else moves, rock walls mostly covered, drain ditches camouflaged, snow drifts level the landscape beyond illusion. By memory only, we keep to the road. Imagine being the first to cross this land in winter, and if it were a time before horses. Off the open ridge we cut down to where the pine woods shelter enough so we can pick up the pace. Occasionally, overburdened snow spills, sometimes peeling bits of green, chunks of old ice, thuds magnified by the quiet. Perhaps an excuse to break monotony or some primal memory aroused, she spooks. Imagine double-barrel blast, a restless dragon, a living legend. So I talk her through, my voice being a calm place for her to focus. So I sing, putting the name she knows into the song my father's curious choice for a lullaby he used to sing to me. Imagine, not yet five years old, frightened from things you don't even have words for, things that only move in those darker places in your room. And then, his heavy footsteps, the weight of his body as he sits on the edge of the bed, his strong, steady hands, sometimes rubbing, sometimes patting, while always singing over and over until finally asleep you couldn't ask him to again. We make our way like that now, dealing with imagined as well as real risks. Patches of ice beneath this rising snow, upon this rising, winding road. How the Green Witch Loved the Winter Man When the Green Witch met the Winter Man, he was obsessed with another woman. He said to her, this is the way. All I ever love retreats from me. Trees drop their leaves. Water shrinks, dares not move. The earth herself covers and hides. In all my travels, all my searching, all I have found was this woman of the wind. She stirs me, promises me. She will someday stand still in my embrace. Then she flies. But tell me, what about you? Who are you that comes to meet the winter man? With this invitation, the green witch stretched out her arms so he could see and said, I am keeper and protector of all that grows, herb and flower, fruit and tree, bringer of peace and healing. I am of the magic of each seedling poking through the soil and too the mighty dragon tree, which yields not to raging wind nor sharpened steel. I am of the sparkling dew suspended on a spider's web and to the raging river which cuts through the earth to the bone. I am of the glowing flames nourishing those dancers calling down the goddess and the god, 
as well as those ancient fires melting mountains into new land. I know of these things of which you speak, bent my finger to assist your sprouting seed, only it did not grow, but rather withered, covered your dragon tree to protect it, but only did its branches crack. From black-fingered shadows I have watched dancers of your fire, and caught up in their excitement sought to join, but with my approach they slunk away, until even the fire's glow had gone to grey. And yes, I have heard of such things as these spiders' webs, but I am the deep winter man. I am nowhere near autumn, nor almost spring. There is nothing green can stand with me. And that is why I can only pursue this woman of the wind, and there are times I am so sure she must be all there is for me. Then the green witch said, What if I could give you this, a gift of green, something green to stand with you, even let your arms around and never shrink from your embrace? You are the green witch, of this I do agree, but either you mock me or do not understand. I am the winter man. With me, even the sun unwillingly treads, preferring not to come at all. Creatures of the earth can lose their lives to me with but a single breath. All that lives in my presence does so because of my restraint, because I resist my desire. But there are times when I give in and for a few moments touch. And even you, with all your power, how long would you stay green in my embrace? Then the little woman turned to him, eyes not flinching from his own, and answered with but one word, ever. Donegal for a poet and creative writing facilitator who was featured on Donegal's daily We Are the Poet series and longlisted for the Bangor Poetry Competition in 2022. Siobhan McLaughlin shares with us today the epiphany of the Christmas storm, the claiming of Alaska and her sleeping sheets, and in the end, reads to us a haiku of perfectly captured frosty morning breaths. Christmas Star Every night you appear, wink into existence, teasing a straying wayfarer trapped in the quotidian. Is this the way to enlightenment? Your gaze steadfast, piercing, glares affirmative. Your brightness, a small pinprick of light in the grand scheme of darkness, ignites some spark of belief. Yes, an exclamation point above our heads, or footnote to an epiphany we have yet to fully grasp. What of it, star? What if the universe whispers in our ear, sings to us of beginnings, endings, gods and kings, sweet nothings that mean everything? What do we do with our in-between? My Alaska Unexplored, you remain a mystery, encased and preserved in ice. 
ripple-ridden, you took up your place in a ceramic corner of the world, bound by blizzards and layers of weeping earth. Undiscovered, you shelter yourself in sheets of silence that veil glacier depths. Sculpted by secrets, you lie smothered in the glaring whiteness, the ache of words unsaid. Unconquered, you stay serene in rising snowdrifts, while they have lost themselves in cobalt corners and hidden crevasses. With gangrened hearts they fled, blinded and confused by the fall and slope of you. Unappreciated, you keep your distance from our world, your story folded away in fable. But I see your sapphire pools, hear the trickles in your silver veins, feel the shine of your quartz coating, know the neon of your midnight sun. Unaware, would you be wounded if I raised my flag and claimed you as mine alone? Would it melt those aquamarine dreams? Then I'd leave you, my Alaska, blue water flowing, bleeding from your core. Winter Haiku Cozy socks cocoon, cold feet from winter's harsh chill. Dreams are soft and warm. Frosty morning breath, ground glittering with stardust. Wishes thaw in words. Your gloved hand in mine, sentimental wonderland, marshmallow heart melts. From County Donegal now to the Forest of Dean in Cambridgeshire in the United States for the author of the pamphlet Knots and Branches and the full collection Earthworks which was published by Indigo Dreams in 2021. Stuart Carswell, co-host of the Fen Speak Open Mic Night and also a regular contributor to the podcast here and also to Storm's Journal is here today to share with us some perfectly timed instructions for this season. Instructions for winter. If the snow is still falling as you hear this, then stop listening and go outside. Go outside. Feel the snow melt upon you. Some things are not meant to last and this moment is one of them. So go outside. Let the snow do its falling and melting. Stay until the moment has changed you. But don't forget, when you return, this poem will also be different.
from the Forest of Dean back to me here in Dublin. We are now taking flight and heading all the way to Ontario in Canada for the author of the chat books, Serve the Sorrowing World of Joy and a Man's Integrity. No stranger to Eat the Storm's Poetry podcast and already signed up to be a guest again on season eight, which kicks off early next year. Meg Freer is here today to offer a weather forecast of scatters of light from ice crystals while farmers await the warmth of a spring sun. Greetings from Kingston, Ontario in Canada. I'm a musician, teacher, and in recent years, a poet as well. These are four winter-themed poems, three nature-based reflections, and a more serious meditation on city life. I'm grateful to editors of the following publications who have published two of the poems in this set that I will read, Plum Tree Tavern and Young Raven's Literary Review. First poem is Winter Hosanna. The usual dawn craze of life dances at the horizon as I walk into the valley. Saline seeps down the hillside into the brine spring. Sun dogs scatter light from ice crystals. Diamond dust drifts until the colors merge into white, a halo overhead, rays skewed from horizontal. The sun dogs move away from the halo. Day moves on in earnest. I walk across the valley, up the other side, and taste salt on my tongue. This is called Crow's Know. Pre-dawn, the dog and I step onto unbroken snow, a half moon still in the west, the hundreds of crows, perhaps a thousand, starting to chatter, but not the racket yesterday at dusk as they flew in from all directions, jostled for roosting space in a few trees, while all of us out walking our dogs stopped and looked up, watched silently, even the dogs mesmerized, then went on our ways as the crows settled. So I wondered, because crows always know, and sure enough, four inches of snow arrived overnight. I remarked to my son on the way to school that I didn't see snow in last evening's forecast, and he replies, the crows are the weather forecast. This is called December Passage. I wrote this for a friend's beehives and the bees within. Through the train window, a winter sunbeam tracks across shorn fields like a pale searchlight. Horses in colored blankets pick their way through the snow. Tiny blue lights on bushes by a farmhouse glow like juniper berries. Two little houses in a town look good enough to eat, a lemon square and brownie frosted with powdered sugar. Farm owners have tucked bees away in hives under pillows and blankets and hope their wings won't slow to a stop as they huddle around the queen, vibrating their bodies in a tight ball to stay warm. Even with stored honey and supplemental fondant sandwiched between sheets of newspaper, many bees will die and farmers cross their fingers all winter until they hear a gentle hum under the warmth of spring sun. And I'll finish with this one, which is a little more serious, uh, Christmas themed in some sense. 
Why is the question always why? You may return Christmas up until December 18th, reads a sign inside the store. Another says, due to present circumstances, please do not squish the squishies. We were all three years old not that long ago, and we do want to squish the squishies, and we don't want to return Christmas we haven't even had yet. The free library boxes, always full, their content always new, the free pantry boxes, empty for weeks. The urban graffiti reads, capital Y equals capital Y equals, but we never get an answer to why. Perhaps we need special eyes to see truth in the face of endless miscommunication. Toss your head at your dreams and hope they don't refuse you entry. Thank you. specifically Dublin here close to me for a poet whose first collection was called Growing Up in Colour and earlier this year Dira Press published his second collection Some of These Stories Are True. Morris Devitt is the chairperson of the Hibernian Writers Group and today his poetry reflects on the call to memory of his mother's Victorian Christmas cake along with the baking of broccoli and baked ham and all the people we share them with once upon a time. Hi, my name is Morris Devitt and I've recorded two Christmas poems for the Eat the Storms Christmas special. My first is about my mother's Christmas cake, Victorian Christmas cake. Every year about this time I go looking for your recipe, handwritten and folded into your Cross and Blackwell cookery album, secreted amongst hundreds of others of mongrel provenance, clipped with one continuous motion of a scissors from a corner of the evening press, handouts from a cookery course in Kelly's with Nevin McGuire, are torn from the pages of Woman's Way when the dentist's waiting room was empty. I've never tried to bake it, enough for me to unfold the page and scan with salty eyes, ingredients and method written in your spindly hand. Then you are there, sitting aproned at the kitchen table, your hair a halo of flour, cup of tea like a chalice in your hands, and the smell of mixed peel and whiskey crowding the room. My second is devoted to a, a cousin of my mother's. He used to come and visit us every Christmas day. Sadly, he passed away in 2020 during COVID. Christmas Day, in memory of Michael Carney, 1936 to 2020. After Mass in the Oblates, you set your hat for home, shugging your rend-like frame into your new tweed coat and scuttling up the Tyrconnell Road, the walking stick, an essential addition since the fall. The day is already a tangle of expectation, and before your lift arrives, you're still to wrap the Easton's vouchers you bought for your cousins four weeks ago, 
the striped paper bag peeping from the kitchen table, a gentle reminder. But your days have been busy with dreams of broccoli and baked ham, the status afforded by a purple paper hat, and the devout silence as your faint, precise voice reads every cracker joke like a sacred text, fleeting respite from shadows cast by a coal-effect fire. Thank you, and happy Christmas, everybody. episode of Eat the Storms, a guest who joined us on the podcast for the first time in season seven, so I'm delighted to see her returning today. She is of half Irish and half English descent, but lives in Germany and is a writer and painter with work in a number of literary journals. Today, she takes flight in her poetic short story, though she sets down to ignite a search for a Christmas tree, but finds a reindeer in the ointment along the way. Hello, this is Nuala McAvoy here with a true story called The Christmas Tree Special. T'was just two nights before Christmas when we caught that low-cost flight. The one with the blue plastic seats, the unearthly trip through the night. The one with straight jackets for legroom. The one where you pay to respire. The one with the wacky air stewards. The one where the coffee is dire. Our long Christmassy journey was hardly on Santa's sleigh, but that's the Christmas deal when travelling back to the UK. The trip was made worse with the toddler who constantly needed placating, with the promise of lights and tinsel, of sparkling baubles awaiting. At six o'clock in the morning, three weary travellers deplaned, exhausted from a long trip, stiff-jointed, feeling drained. The trip was not quite over, but the effort would be worth the while to see our child gaze up at the tree to observe her wondrous smile. So, we struggled shivering through the snow with our duty-free and our trolleys, with a buggy and more paraphernalia, just to see the ivy and holly. A full English breakfast to warm us, mince pies and lashings of cheer. Organic carrots for the reindeer, and for Father Christmas some craft beer. And at last, exhausted, we arrived at our final destination, but we could glimpse no fairy lights, no Christmas decoration. Just a few limp seasonal cards stood lamely over the cold fire. The disappointment was palpable. The atmosphere was dire. A very stressed sister worked, serving grumpy, rude consumers who had depleted her Christmas spirit and her energy forgage humour. Her cheer had dissipated, her goodwill had run dry, from dealing with grouchy customers demanding turkeys and mince pies. Don't give me that dirty look, she barked. You know I have a reason, and that's because I have no time in this dreadful retail season. I get home late every night, exhausted and footsore. We aren't having a tree this year. Please, speak of it no more. Her nonchalant-looking pre-teen son was filled with disappointment. He could barely hide his disillusion at this reindeer in the ointment. And so, 
my Spanish husband decided to save the day. I will get us a Christmas tree. Come, nephew, lead the way. Sister rolled her eyes to heaven, but husband was undeterred. He snatched the keys of her banger and marched out without a word. Sister, toddler and I waited, wondering what he would bring. He had no clue about fir trees. He didn't know a thing. Nephew and husband splitted off to the market in the square to find the Christmas tree sellers toting their Christmas tree wares. They searched the market high and low. They hunted far and wide, but not one piddly fir tree was left for our cold bare fireside. Husband and nephew were about to give in. They were ready to lose all hope when they spied a dodgy chap on the corner, a Dalboy sort of bloke. I'm so sorry to bother you, husband said, but do you sell Christmas trees? I've got just what you want, mate, he rubbed his hands in glee. Get back into your car, amigo, I'll stick it on the roof. Just give us thirty quid, it's a bargain, that's the truth. Husband offered to help him. Delboy hastily declined. Husband didn't smell a rat. He had faith in humankind. With the tree perched atop the roof, visibility was rather poor, but they managed to get home safely and rapped upon the door. We have a tree, we have a tree. Christmas is finally here. Let's bedeck it with shiny baubles and lashings of good cheer. Husband unleashed the rope and unleashed a needle beast, the biggest, ugliest son of a tree, eleven foot high at least. The pine needles were raining off as he squashed it through the door and dragged it along the carpet to the living room floor. The tree invaded all the room, excessively verdantly hideous, but nephew and toddler stood gazing up, seemingly blissfully oblivious. The tree was totally lopsided and twisted when erected, it reached the ceiling and then hunched over. It was way bigger than expected. But height was a lesser problem. The issue was its volume. When standing in its tree pot, it filled half the living room. Last Christmas was playing on Radio 1. Sister had started to live the dream. But when she saw the Christmas tree, she let out a blood-curdling scream. She gripped the back of a chair, white-knuckled, her jaw dropped to the floor. She put her hand up to her mouth. She cussed and then swore some more. You dimwit pair of clowns, you idiotic buffoons, you lousy lumps of lubber, you jackass pair of goons. The atmosphere was more than tense. You could cut it with a knife. But then nephew stifled a giggle and started laughing for his life. He roared and then he howled. This laugh was so contagious. He rolled contorted on the floor, chortling for what seemed like ages. Sister looked on disapprovingly, witheringly poker-faced, but then she snorted suddenly and a loud guffaw escaped. And then we were all chuckling, doubled in hilarity, shoulders shaking, stomach aching, sharing this jocularity. We flung the baubles on the tree, the tinsel we rapidly draped. The lights were hurriedly hung. The tree looked splendidly ill-shaped. The baubles only covered a quarter of the tree like a sparsely dressed old madam in clothes which were far too scanty. The lights only reached halfway, undignified for Yule. We turned them on and nephew quipped. It's hardly like Blackpool. 
and then we stood back to admire the labour of our love, this perfect imperfection dropped down from heaven above. It's the best tree ever, whispered nephew or inspired. Even sister was smiling warmly and was no longer looking tired. We microwaved some mincies, dug out some Christmas karaoke. We sang carols at the top of our voices till our throats felt sore and croaky. The day passed in a festive flash, and then it was Christmas Eve. We hung up our stockings and started to believe that Christmas had finally arrived, that the nativity was in sight. And thus ends this joyful Christmas tale. Happy Christmas to all, and good night. some festive music now and so I'm delighted to welcome a first-time guest to Eat the Storms, a poet, flash fiction and creative non-fiction writer and a singer-songwriter bringing us back to LA in the United States of America for the second time today. She has three albums under her belt and an original musical concept album called North of Sunset, West of Vine. When considering what we need and what to wish for this Christmas, Rhea Yarbrough's exquisite song acknowledges that those who have it need a little more than just that. There's not a white ice crystal in the sky Flashing red and candy white Just lights behind police lines The ashy streets west of Vine Tired tinsel over tinsel town at Christmas time it's nothing you remember and nothing I'm told it should be But we've got race car 49 A remote control around a 12-inch pine tree We got choir music on the wire hanger Turn dial TV Ginger ale and fortune cookies And we've got songs to sing With choir music on the wire hanger Turn dial TV We have ourselves We have ourselves There's just a few points of light 
A little pinprick through the city night They made it through the dusty sky Just to dance for you and I And the neon peep shows deck the halls With the lyrical profanity of lovers through the walls It's nothing you remember and Remote control around a 12-inch pine tree And we got choir music on the wire hanger Turn dial TV And we've got ginger ale and fortune cookies And we got songs to sing With choir music on the Yes, today is a spoken word poet, creative writing facilitator and festival curator whose debut poetry collection was called Crow Books, published in 2020, and her new collection, Clothes Peg in My Pocket, arrives next year. With a lesson in cooking from Anne MacDonald now, and the realisation that sometimes having all the right ingredients for childhood memories doesn't always bring everything back to life. Croquettes for Christmas by Anne MacDonald I tried to make them many times when you got sick. Boiled potatoes mashed with butter, freshly chopped parsley and onion rolled in flour then dipped in egg, beaten with a fork, just like you did. It should have worked. I rolled the tubes and golden breadcrumbs, which I always thought were magic, 
fry them in a pan of oil, remembering your blackened chip pan with the wire basket. It didn't work. I tried again a few years later when you were in a nursing home and didn't care about these things. I was more careful this time, let the potatoes cool overnight so they were easier to handle. It wasn't right. I tried again last year and just this once I succeeded. They looked the same, bright and crisp. I wished you could have seen them. I put them in the oven to keep them warm. They burnt black. I know now it's not about the crumbs or heat or herbs or eggs, but about you in a blue nylon overall, face heat bright red, dishing up Christmas dinner on a red Formica table. In my childhood mind, it was perfect. And I know that when I try to make them, I'm trying the impossible. To bring you back, to bring us back, to the time before your brain exploded and your life imploded. But I can't. I can't bring you back or make croquettes just like you did. They were yours to make and mould and fry and serve and golden breadcrumbs are not magic. I know that now. But when you made croquettes at Christmas, you made it magic somehow. Next up, we are heading to Galway for a writer with a degree in English and poetry published in a wide range of literary journals over the past three years. Today, podcast regular Liam Flanagan offers us heartfelt reminders of the things we need to hold, not only this Christmas, but every single day. Hi, thanks for having me on, Damien. This is a poem I wrote for Christmas this year. It's called... Nolig Shona, which means Happy Christmas in Irish. Nolig Shona. In a time where so much has been taken from us, we have realised the importance of laughter and joy, toys, a child's eye smile, generosity and kindness serve to remind us how close we all are, despite finding ourselves sometimes afar. Family and friendships, relationships to hold dear, looking forward to celebrating Christmas this year. Love and care are the order of the day, qualities even Santa is unable to carry in his sleigh. dedication to drowning and its follow-up, The Body as a Home for Darkness, which arrived earlier this year. Maeve McKenna says herself she listens to trees. And today, her poem that she is about to share with us shows exactly how carefully she does just that. Hello. My name is Maeve McKenna. 
Happy Christmas. Tree. Evening in December. Past the shut golden walk. Past Bell's Gala store and post office. Through the empty pedestrian crossing. St Mary's Church shrouded in darkness on the right. Doorways of the former St Michael's Convent of Mercy like windows on an advent calendar. A reindeer twinkles on a window ledge. A pink bicycle rests against a gate. A string of lights and one climbing Santa swing from a bare branch. It might be willow. How can I tell? I am driving into and beyond the village home. No baubles to examine happiness in. No forest to keep me company. This tree where, as I pass, is itself alone and weeping. And this time it's a returning guest to Eat the Storm. So it's appeared now twice on our Christmas special. So it's beginning to be as much a tradition as mulled wine and mistletoe. Rhiannon Howe is trained at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art and has an endless list of theatre and credits, including Punk Fairy and Jack and the Beanstalk in Coventry in the United Kingdom, Booed Singer in Cats on the UK tour, Jan in Greece at the Dominion in London and Eponine in Les Miserables. This is my dear friend, the incredibly talented Rhiannon Howes, with something a little frozen. Do you want to build a snowman? Come on, let's go and play. I never see you anymore. Come out the door, it's like you've gone away We used to be best buddies But now we're not I wish you could tell me why Do you wanna build a snowman? Doesn't have to be a snowman Okay, bye Do you wanna build a snowman or ride our bike around the halls? I think some company is overdue. I've started talking to the pictures on the walls. It gets a little lonely, all these empty rooms, just watching the hours tick by. Do you wanna build a snowman? It doesn't have to be a snowman Okay, bye Please, I know you're in there People are asking where you've been They say have courage And I'm trying to 
I'm right out here for you. Just let me in. We only have each other. It's just you and me. What are we gonna do? Do you wanna build a snowman? It doesn't have to be a snowman. Do you wanna build a snowman? It doesn't have to be a snowman. Okay, bye. And before I introduce our next guest, I'm going to read you two poems that were very graciously accepted by Blackbound Poetry and its maestro Matthew M.C. Smith for the latest edition of Christmas and Winter Volume 4, which is now available to buy at your nearest Amazon store. These are, I suppose, two poems about escaping. One set in Stockholm in 2014 when I was there for work days very dark in winter and the second more a reflection of the depths some are going to right now in order to escape the harsh light and reality of day i hope in 2024 the light finds its way all around the world North of the Noise, Stockholm, 2014. I fly north to where the air cuts colder, where day is a blanket of bound nights. I come to see what rests when the light is less, where the days cannot be bent, where that light falls short, Fades before it can caress the skin, left cold like the hours ticking, like the paper coken hearts snapping, like the hand I held once in that taxi, dissolving, like all we cannot hold on to, like all that falls behind the dark. Beyond the light. This winter we all now wear. We descended once to sketch in caves impressions of our age beneath the light. Graffitied our triumphs in lemonite, calcite. Bury and even the blood of revered beast. Now we gather under this fall of our age to be haunted by the footsteps descending into the earth's caverns, escaping the light of a day no one should ever have to draw.
Now from the United Kingdom, we are heading back to the United States and this time we are settling down in New Jersey for a much-loved stormer, Meryl D. Smith. Not only a regular here on the podcast, but also one of the stars of the inaugural issue of the Stormy Journal. She is the author of the stunning debut collection, River Ghosts, which was published by Nightingale and Sparrow. Meryl today is joining us to unfold winter from the windows of hotel rooms in the past, to explore the light of this secret season amid an echo of remembered smiles. Hello, Damien. This is Meryl D. Smith wishing everybody a very happy holiday and a peaceful, joyous new year. This is called Sunrise Christmas Eve Morning. This is a secret season. The squirrel scented, souls stirred by leaf rustle and bare branched sighs. The clouds are pewter cups spinning without saucers till they rest on a blue expanse as if waiting for the party to begin. And so there is light, ancient and always. There, our own bright star rising, a reveille, the frosted ground echoes with a thousand small sparkling stars. And this is called Origami Winter. That Christmas holiday in Philadelphia, we watched ice skaters from our hotel room and traveled by subway as the snow fell and kept falling till we were marooned at the Bornsteins, a row house island in a sea of white. We ate our Yuletide feast of bagels, cream cheese, and locks. My sister remembers we did origami. Our memories now unfold these shapes of winter's past. And this one is Echoes which is in the new Black Bow Winter Christmas issue. Echoes. Winter has leached and bleached the world to gray and white. Even fir and pine wear snowy coats over their green gowns. The sky blows kisses with icy breath. Her tongue slicks the paths to our outhouse and stores, and elongated shadows reach out to grab the unsuspecting. But small candles become window beacons, and ubiquitous borscht a miracle. Potato latkes fry with sizzles and pops, percussion to the song of laughter. And in the small house's dark corners, the ghosts of ancestors tap their feet and smile. Thank you. Have a great year, everyone. Bye-bye.
it's time for some music again and this time it's one of our regular guest poets here on Eve Storms, the author of the collection Bo Bo Sadisto, Café Caput and Cul de Sacrilege, along with being the creator of the pop project Andy Bell is Thornstein and the Downs Braid Association. Today he is here to share one of his own songs with aspirations for the common cause and connection within the community this coming year. This is Barney Ashton Bullock.
Now from the United Kingdom, we are heading back to Ireland and we're settling down in Limerick for a regular guest here on Eat the Storms and the Troker Poetry Ireland competition winner, Mary Studer, whose debut collection, Real Words, was published earlier this year by Revival Press. Mary is sharing viewpoints of Christmas from all ages of life, including a poem that's featured in Volume 3 of Black Bow's Christmas and Winter Anthology, which I had the joy of being the sub-editor on. This is Mary Studer. Happy Christmas, Damien and listeners. I am honoured to share some Christmas winter poems with you. In the short poems, I convey a sense of duality in scenes of childhood, adulthood and grandparenthood. I will start with a poem that was first published in the Black Bow Christmas Winter Anthology, Volume 3, which was edited by Matthew M.C. Smith and Damien. The poem is a childhood memory of Christmas Eve when I was about six or seven and unable to sleep. I crept from bed and sat on the stairs from where I had a view of my mother in the kitchen below. Disbelief. Crouching on stairs, I see her head bent over the singer, guiding a remnant of red and white cotton beside a box of buttons and threads. Tinsel chains crisscross the ceiling, scattering sparks on formica, where next morning brothers in fringed cowboy suits point barrels at a doll resplendent in Christmas gingham. In the second poem, I move from childhood to adulthood and it's set in the run-up to Christmas, the healthier skelter time of busyness and is a snatched moment of reflection when the beauty of nature invokes a sense of sadness. And this poem was published um, by Wingless Dreamer. Advent On the table, three for two deals. Socks, books, eau de toilette. Making a list, checking it twice as the kettle builds up steam. I hug a mug of dark coffee, aromatic as old speckled leather. A thrush rolls a red berry in its beak, picks the weeping catoniaster for more. Sky of steel splashed with red satin, a gloaming of amber-pink radiance, soft as Christmas Eve candlelight. All bears the old winter ache, waves like whispering birch streels, 
I light the first advent candle of four. The final poem is set in North Dakota when a flight home was delayed uh, by a few days due to severe winter weather. And as a consequence, we got to spend extra time with our daughter and family and to see sun dogs in the sky. It was our first time to see sun dogs. And a sun dog, uh, for those of you that may not know, is an atmospheric um, optical phenomenon that consists of a bright spot either to one or both sides of the sun. Uh, this poem was in the fragments of time, poetry and prose through the pa- throughout the pandemic, which was edited by Anne Tannum. Bonus days for Killian. Cut off by a prairie blizzard, we shrugged the best laid plans. Glad of more days to nestle with grandchildren in the glow of sundogs, saucers spinning violet red vinyl lights, stalactites clasping crystals of iced water. Our daughter nursed her infant son. Her eyes glazed for strolls in Claire's fuchsia red lanes. Children clutching buckets and spades, running towards tides of encroaching waves. Thank you, Damien, and everyone for listening and wishing you all a happy Christmas and everything you wish for in the new year. heading to County Longford for a poet who actually represented County Longford this year on our special Poetry Day Ireland edition. This is John Noonan, who was highly commended in the Patrick Cavanagh Poetry Award in 2020 and a recipient of the Goldsmiths Poetry Award who is currently working on his first full collection. Today he's sharing a poem which looks through a funnel in time, bringing us back to early farm life and the milking of cows amid the break of early December light. My name is John Noonan, and I grew up on a farm in County Longford. And I always remember working on the farm, particularly in December, coming up to Christmas, and going out with my parents to bring in cows for milking and this job alternated between my father and my mother at different times. So this poem is called December. In a funnel of torchlight, the chill of our breath coiled close together. Like wise men, we cross the fields, far contours glittering with frost, mother and I, 
as we bring cows in for the milking. We hustle them between scattered cow pads, stitched stiff by Midlands weather. Seepage of straw-coloured light from the byre door guides us under cobweb-strung rafters. I place hay offerings in the manger as mother hunkered down. Soon a ruffling milk moon rose in her enamel bucket. The warming byre dissolved frost specks on my black boots, tears of a newborn star against this December night. sanctuary there must be somewhere and the winner of the poetry prize at the linen hall belfast ulster scott's writing competition in 2021 and now returning guest to eat the storms today she's going to read a selection of poems from her own christmas collection and in the city's stillness we listen out for sounds of angels singing in the countryside It's a great pleasure to be contributing to this Christmas issue of Damien's podcast and I'm going to start with a poem called Shining. I've written a collection of Christmas poems and this is near the beginning of that collection. Shining. Those greens of winter, the holly, ivy and the hellebore gleam and the lighted window beaming across a waste is an eye looking out for us. Whatever shines, sees. The burnish on polished furniture, the glow of brass, the pristine glint of a window pane. All things caressed with care give back that tenderness, tell us they'd miss us if we weren't there. So when I drape the lights around the Christmas tree, dotted with tinsel, baubles and shiny fripperies, and set it gorgeous in the front room window, it's for you to see as you walk around the corner out of Mortimer Road. For you to know, my heart is gazing, less ostentatiously, along the street, waiting for you, reflecting your brightness, your warmth, your cherishing. And the next one I'd like to read is called News. Delighted with herself and four years old, she has a secret for me, whispers gleefully, it's going to be Christmas. Again? I won't tell anyone, I promise, but somehow word gets out, fairy lights in the neighbour's windows. Once is never enough. We have a need to tell each other every year that we will always make room, that if things don't go as planned, there'll be enough to get by and that fulfilment, our birthright, is coming, laden with gifts. Reading Christmas Poems I read about a fox padding on snow, 
water freezing in pails in the corner of a farmyard, the moon a plate of ice propped on a high, high shelf. But my Christmas is a city one. The sky at night's no higher than the street lamps. Bumper to bumper, the cars churr on the main road and snarl or sigh in this narrow thoroughfare, and it mostly rains, is damply chill. The house is old but new to me, I've just moved in, still trying to find a place for things. Across the street, a family's white Christmas tree glistens in their first floor window. Their neighbours run a string of beaming cherries all along his railings. Next door to me they've put some twinkling baubles among window pots of puce and purple cyclamen. I don't know any of these people yet, but in the early darkness that lovely tree fills to perfection the top right pane of the sash in my front sitting room. It's fitting that the angels sang in the open countryside. But maybe someone in the overcrowded streets nearby looked up and heard the stillness when they drew breath between each stanza of their praise. Merry Christmas. Santa's sleigh as we welcome Generalissimo Brian Franco to the podcast for the first time. Brian is a gay neurodivergent Jewish poet from Maine in the United States of America, a painter, sculptor, gardener and cooking genius and the author of the book Everything I Think Is All In My Mind which came out back in 2021. Today he is here to share with us his very typically witty, darkly humoured, though utterly brilliant Christmas poem. The truth is out there. Twas the truth about Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas when in the North Pole a strange, mysterious wind did blow. Then Santa's pet emus buried their heads in the snow. The reindeer got loose and ate every dreidel from the Hanukkah bushes. Mrs. Claus got drunk and pinched all the male elves on their tushes. The lady elves later found her passed out in her easy chair, drew racy picks on her face with sharpies, and cut off her hair. This year, Santa secretly bought a dozen drones to fly presents down chimneys so he wouldn't dirty his suit, making his yearly thousand-dollar dry cleaning bill moot. He hovered over houses and directed the drones with a remote control. He was saving so much time, he yelled, Hell yeah, Santa baby, rock and roll! What happened next qualified as a Christmas cluster you-know-what. When the reindeer started sporadically dropping undigested dreidels from their butts. The Jewish toys broke skylights, damaged roofs, and countless cars. Not to mention poor Santa's therapy bill and emotional scars. The whole situation caused Santa enormous guilt and shame. Despite the fact that the Gentiles learned to play the dreidel game. 
insurance paid off damages since no one believed in old Kris Kringle, a fact that made Santa smile and gave his soul a little tingle. He got home and saw empty schnapps bottles next to his unconscious wife, then told himself that for the most part he lived a pretty decent life. "'Twas the morning after the night before Christmas "'when Santa discovered his beloved emus "'had frozen to death after burying their heads in the snow, "'which was the tip of an iceberg of traumatic emotional blows. "'So he plucked their feathers and carved out enough steaks for a year, "'then fixed himself a sesame bagel with locks, onions, and a nice schmear. "'While he drank his coffee, he asked the missus "'about the pics drawn on her face.' She railed about the elf bitches and how she'd put them all in their place. He just smiled at her, nodded yes, and fantasized about changing his name and face, running off to Rio and disappearing without a trace. Yes, this story is 100% true, and now the truth is out that Santa is a Jew. to welcome Martina Carney to the podcast for the very first time. Martina is a member of the Richmond Barracks Writing Group and recently had work selected for the Bridget's Book, which was supported by Kildare County Council and produced by Blue Way Art Studios. As you will hear in Martina's poem, this is a season full of giving, though sometimes the gifts are not always what we desire, but once in a while comes the gift that changes lives even all nine of them. My name is Martina Carney. And many years ago, I worked in the same organisation as the lady to whom this little poem is dedicated. Sadly, she is no longer with us. The poem is about an unexpected gift she gave me one Christmas. A very beautiful pale marble cat figurine. Once I'd positioned him on a shelf, he kick-started an extraordinary chain of cat tokens from friends' travels. So it's quite busy on that shelf now. The gift for Ailish. I remember her gift that Christmas. Politics, plants and cats peppered our brief banter, but felines were foremost when nine whole lives lay before us. Unwrapped, he was sleek, svelte, sphinx. His mottled marble, cool to touch, called you to handle his slim lines, slender legs, pointy ears and sly smile. He stands solid amidst cat company, his shadow long. He knows of many lives, secrets he will never disclose, even in his next life.
here with us next, returning to Eve of the Storms, is the self-professed poet and word witch, Siobhan McMahon, the winner of the Hennessy New Irish Writing Award. And she will be sharing with us today two poems exploring the Queen of the Heavens and the many mysteries and names appointed to Mary, Mother of God, bestowing upon us the gift that was far from a sin. Hello, dear Gwith, and thank you so much, Damien, for asking me back on to the wonderful poetry podcast that is Eat the Storms. And today I'm going to do two poems with a different take on the Christmas story. The first poem is called The First Mystery, and it is in the voice of Our Lady. And after the first verse, there are nine verses, each preceded by one of the titles that is given to Our Lady. So, the first mystery in the voice of Our Lady. As my belly grew, the gossiping began. I saw the names they would give me, Mother of God, Star of the Sea, Queen of Heaven, Our Lady of Exile, Most Merciful, Gate of Heaven, Queen of Peace, Our Lady of Sorrows, Holy Virgin. I wanted none of them. One mother of God. My troubled son slipped easily between the worlds. I had to haul him back time and time again, plunge his hands into the soil, teach him to walk on this earth, his eyes and ears open to the ordinary miracle of life. Two, star of the sea. The strange dreams I had a path opening, the roar of waves towering on both sides of a dry seabed, a small child running for his life, me calling and calling, my voice swallowed by the sea. Three, Queen of Heaven. Long before he knew what was to come, I saw death in the broken line on his palm. A paschal moon scorching its own trajectory across his tiny hand, clutching at my breast, filling with milk, evaporating into stars. Four, Our Lady of Exile. Whatever is written, I remember loneliness, a gruelling journey, the hard faces of strangers slamming doors in our faces the smell of straw and dung, the pitch dark, pierced by the menacing light of a single star. Five, most merciful. As the pains began cramping, my belly hardening and tightening, I clutched the wooden post, heaved my heavy body across the dusty floor, the hours merging and shifting, me on my knees, calling out for my mother. Six, gate of heaven, but there was no answer, only the low moaning of my ragged breath his eager head burning its way between my legs, the sudden gush of warm water baptising the ground on which I stood. Seven, Queen of Peace. He lay bloody and beautiful, exhausted on my belly, the cord as yet uncut. 
the warm bud of his mouth rooting for my breasts, the dark stillness of his eyes searching for mine. Eight, Our Lady of Sorrows, as they did on that long, terrible day when I kept vigil by his side at the place of the skulls, the hours merging and shifting me on my knees in the dirt praying for deliverance. Nine, Holy Virgin, to say it was an angel is nonsense, but they needed a story without the body of a woman arching her back, crying out, pulling a trembling universe through the dark void into her womb. And the second poem I'm going to do is entitled Original Sin. And this was written many years ago when my first child was born, after the birth of my first child. Original Sin. They say that we are born in sin, a mark upon our souls at birth. So have they never dared to enter in that sacred space wherein the newborn child is held and sensed within some ancient mystery that holds, enfolds, surrounds this miracle of life made new? And then perhaps they'd glimpse the truth that every woman knows who's laboured long throughout the night and brought to birth her child and held it warm and wet to her and gazed within its newborn eyes and known, without a shadow of a doubt, the travesty of sin. They say this child is born within and known this child was born an incarnation of delight from love in love. This child was born divine. the storms and I love having new voices on the podcast and if you're out there thinking I'd like to be a part of that well season eight begins at the end of January next year and we're already taking names to be guests on the podcast. This guest however is called Miriam Colloran and she lives with her daughters in Kildare and she has published poems on grief and loss. Today she is recounting a last Christmas and how the memory comes with a touch of trickery. Your last Noel, your last Christmas, it was in the air, but unspoken, unnamed and unacknowledged. Your enchanting excitement at the continued celebrations, at yet another hastily organised festivity, the memories are more soothing than the experience was. or season of Eat the Storms is truly complete without a visit from one of our favourite writers from the UK, Sue Finch, who thankfully agreed to come back today to read with us. 
Taking time out for her life of loving peculiar things and ice cream freezers to share with us thoughts dripping from fir trees on the edge of an iced lake. This from our much loved regular stormer and also contributor to the Storms Journal is Sue Finch. Damien, I love being on Eat the Storms Christmas edition and this poem is called Skating. I watch her skating straight out across the ice, taking a furious here to there, zigzag in a line. No laying down of tight circles, no figures of eight dizzying on her frozen pond. I swear I see thoughts thrown out above her. I watch them dropping slowly through the fir trees. Sometimes I see them right up against the sky. She can make them touch that blue. There's so much she wants to outrun, leave behind. One day she will let me skate beside her, take her hands, show her how to spin. Thank you.
again to sing the final song on this special episode of the Christmas and Winter edition of Eat the Storms, Joni Mitchell's River. Thank you so much, Rhiannon. And with that, it's time for our final guest. And our final guest today is from Surrey in the United Kingdom. And while he calls himself an emerging writer, he has long found a place in all our hearts and you're about to discover why. Julian Day, recently nominated for Best of the Net, is taking us beyond the Muppets and out into space with pigs roasting in their blankets while on peeling thyme and clementines. Homespun Crimbo Tales 1. Everyone's a Muppet, not a snowflake, spinning in space, especially pigs in space, even if they don't know that just yet. Pigs in blankets are the lucky ones. They have something to cling to at night. Still, they are freezing their tiny butts off in the ninth circle of the fridge. Two. Everyone's caught the diehard bug now. Existing is such, oh, a crack in the raw ache of now. I feel like a right, John Doe. Oh, just let it snow already. You will, won't you? Three. Why is time always so unpleasantly unpeeled? Don't you agree? A blood orange noir heart is better dropped off a sky rise. Yet, It's as weird and as wide as the wild snow sky, ripe with looming darkness, impossible to shut down or shut up the clatter. You're bricking it, tough as toes, loud as hell, on mute, 
to the end, unfurling your strange gesticulations against the rising ground. Four. Tonight it's all about you, Clementine. Christmas is waiting for a good moment to happen. It's built from a face like a smoking hot bazaar. I may just live to dance out the sun, move a little closer to you, move like a freight train, more likely a figgy pudding, barreled over, briefly alight, inside still full with the locomotion of you. Dearest listeners, whether you're 18 months or 80 years, I hope at some point during this past hour and a half you have found yourself to be a true believer. And with that said, unfortunately I have to now say we have reached the end of this special episode of Eat the Storms, a poetry podcast here celebrating all things Christmas and winter. So thank you so much you listeners for tuning in, whether that has been on Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, Podbean, Player FM, Overcast, Pocketcast, Castbox, Podcast Addicts and iTunes. For myself and all of my guests, a very Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. And those guests have been Karen Pierce-Gonzalez, P.D. Lyons, Siobhan McLaughlin, Stuart Carswell, Meg Freer, Morris Devitt, Nula McAvoy, Rhea Yarborough, Anne MacDonald, Liam Flanagan, Maeve McKenna, Rhiannon Howis, Meryl D. Smith, Barney Ashton Bullock, Mary Studer, John Noonan, Angela Graham, Brian Franco, Martina Carney, Siobhan McMahon, Miriam Colloran, Sue Finch and Julian Day. For more details on all of my guests on how to find, follow and cheer for them in the future, head on over to www.eatthestorms.com and there on our website you will find a blog post in the podcast section. And today's blog post for our special Christmas episode lists all of their photos, their bios and their social media handles so you can be their fans in the future. Now, while you're there at the website, you can also pick up a copy of the Storms Journal if you haven't got one already. And if you fancy, we have a special at the moment where you can pick up all three first issues for a special price. And by the way, something to note down in your diary, we will be opening submissions for issue four of the Storms at the end of March, beginning of April in 2024. So do not forget that. We won't have a theme this year. We'll be looking for poetry, prose and visual arts, including photography, collage and painting. And as I said earlier, season eight of Eat the Storm is a poetry podcast. We'll be back with you at the end of January. The guest list is already filling up, but I'm always eager to have new voices, along with, of course, original stormers who are always welcome back. As I say here in the podcast, once a stormer, always a welcomed returning stormer. For details or any questions that you have about the podcast and being a guest, drop me an email at eatthestorms at yahoo.com. 
Now, that's it for me, Damien B. Donnelly. I want to wish you all a magical and peaceful Christmas. And again, as I mentioned earlier, may the peace we all curate spread its wings and touch those who need it most. A few days ago, I sat in the kitchen on the 21st of December. Watch the winter solstice, watch the light unfold, stretch into the Neolithic chamber of Newgrange here in Ireland, the passage to light when needed, does find a way. It takes time, but it does find a way. Good evening, good afternoon, or maybe even good morning. And until next time, please stay bloody poetic. Oh, thank you.